as we have just learned, or maybe the knowledge has been reinforced. I have a lot of knots. Yes. <laughs> I got to work on that there, Jay. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe are you sitting? Are you slouching? Or? I do slouch. Yeah, that's not good. That causes it. Well, you it puts tension in your shoulders. Oh, really? Okay. It puts tension in your shoulders. It also puts tension in your neck. I think. Yeah, something. And I have to work on that too because sometimes I end up slouching. Yeah. Now at home, I don't care because I'm at home, right? Mm -hmm. I know that um, if my mother had her way, I would be sitting up straight all the time. But at, I mean, realistically, when you're at home, you don't really want to think about that, right? No. Okay. When I'm in public, though, I try to sit and stand straight as best as I can because it makes a good impression. Yeah, I try to do that too. Yeah. And it's good uh, that you're doing that, but some people have uh, like really, really bad posture. Mm -hmm. yeah. I did for years, and it's still not, excuse me, great, which probably explains all the knots. It's, um, yeah, because if you're hunched over like that, that could put a lot of stress on your shoulders and tighten up your shoulders, especially if you're stressed out. Mm. Well, I think it's more stress that causes the knots, I would imagine, but I also think that having a bad posture doesn't help either. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I wonder if there's a way, babes, to make a machine yeah. that you hook up to the back of your neck yep. and it makes a small piercing and drains the liquid from your knots. There's probably reasons why we don't have those, right? I don't know that knots have liquids. I think it's just, um, it's just, you know, um, things that need to be, um, to be straightened out, I guess. I don't know. Okay, I always just thought it was circulation. Things weren't moving around enough back there. Maybe, maybe that's it. You gotta, you gotta have to get the blood circulating. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, that that can cause tension if you don't practice good posture. Uh oh. I know because I felt it in my shoulders, and 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 it and, and a big part of it is stress too, of course. I could see that. Yeah. Yes. Have you thought about going to a chiropractor? No, I should though. Okay. Um, I never had I never had any like major back problems or anything. Um, the only time I really had um a hurting back was when I got sick and I kept coughing so much that my the muscles in my back started to tighten, but otherwise I didn't I never had any back problems yet. With me, and you know this, it's more where the shoulders meet the neck is where I got my knots. Yeah, have you thought maybe you should like, maybe maybe not a chiropractor, but maybe a massage therapist? Maybe I should. Yeah. That might be a good idea. Yeah. To give maybe they can give you some tips on how to um to keep yourself from getting tension there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm getting older. Yeah, well, so am I. But you know, I've I've had tension in my neck even when I was younger. Yeah. But it wasn't it's it wasn't like really bad or anything. It's yeah. just I could feel it when I get stressed out. Mm. Yeah. Yes. So anyway, let's talk about Walmart a little bit. Oh, again, again, again. Okay. Yesterday I texted someone I know and I said, cancel your Walmart subscription and promptly ask for a full refund. I think I said that here, mm -hmm. but there's some follow up to the story. Mm -hmm. He asked me why I tell him the whole spiel about, you know, they're closing their stores. Don't know when they're coming back. Apparently mm -hmm. there is still a Walmart in Happy Valley. Yep. In Tigard and mm -hmm. in Gresham. Yep. And three of them? That's what my friend said. Okay. He called the one in Happy Valley because he was expecting a delivery last night. Yeah. 
and talk to somebody. They said that, yes, they closed some stores down, but they're expecting that one to stay open for the time being. Yeah. Because apparently they do really good business. Uh-huh. But when I checked my app and I made sure that my address was correct, I'm still getting that the nearest one to me is in um, Sacramento. Sacramento, California. Yeah, and they and we did hear for ourselves a news story about the two last Walmarts in Portland. Yeah. So that's really confusing because Happy Valley is, I guess, a suburb of Portland. I'm not sure exactly where it is. Gresham is also a suburb of Portland. Yeah. I mean, I know it's and its Tigard. own city, but that's how I think of it. Yeah, and Tigard is too. And you would think, too, that... Gresham would be the closest one. And if uh-huh. that was the case, I'd still use it. But here's the deal. Yep. It's not about me just switching my Walmart preferences. The app goes off of your address. Yep. So I can't just say, oh, send me to the Gresham store. That's the one I choose. Right, exactly. Because doesn't he live not that far from me? He lives fairly close to you. Oh, see? See, that is confusing to me. Mm-hmm. Because when I ordered from them the other day, and I think that might have been last week, um, the the Walmart um, that they uh, sent my order to was Gresham. So that's very confusing to me. Yeah. But when I use my address, for some reason, it's Sacramento. I believe it was Gresham. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I'd love to continue using the app. I buy from Walmart more than any other store uh-huh. until, I guess, now. But but I think it's one of those things that we have to see because, like I said, there's going to be a lot of customers wondering why this has happened and they don't they didn't get a heads up. I mean, I just heard about this literally four days ago. Mm-hmm. And I told you on Friday. No, you told me yesterday. I mean, I'm sorry. I told you yesterday. Um... Was it okay? I'm sorry. I I, I heard yesterday. I heard about it two two days ago, um, three days ago, and you didn't know about this until I told you. Right. And both of us are pretty shocked. And uh, judging by the news story, a lot of people are like, "Well, where are we going to go? We get our um, we get some items here that are cheaper than the ones in the other stores." So there's going to be a lot of customers that are going to wonder why. It does look like they're going to give me a full refund on my Walmart Plus subscription. I know that they normally don't do that. Yeah. And I wouldn't ask for it usually, but this is a unique case. Right. But still, I'd rather just be able to shop from a location in the Portland area Mm -hmm. than to have to cancel my subscription. Exactly. So it's confusing. It's very confusing. Um. I mean, I'm glad that I didn't sign up for Walmart Plus uh, because of this. Mm-hmm. Because if I did, then I would have to. You might not have to. No, no, no. I said if I did sign yeah. up for Walmart Plus, then I may have had to ask for a refund. No, what I'm saying, you might not have to if it's sending you groceries from the Gresham location. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and part of me even thought the other day, well, if this is the case then maybe I could just order food here and take it home. But then I thought, that's really cumbersome because I'm going to want more than one item and I'm not going to be able to fit any, everything in my bag. Yeah. And that's unfair to you. So it's a bit of a conundrum yeah. still. And I don't use the Walmart app as much as you do mm-hmm. because I um, I use Instacart quite a bit because I can get it on the same day. And it's a lot 
to me, it's a lot more convenient than to order it the day before and get it the next day. So, I hear you. But, I mean, to each his own. Well, I think, I honestly think it's one of these, like, wait and see kind of things because if there are still, uh, uh, is there, if there's still a Walmart in Gresham, uh, you may have to, you know what you could do? That's Maybe not. you should check your settings. I did. You did? I did. And I made sure that my address was correct. I closed the app. I reopened it. And I even tried placing in an order just to see what it would do. And it said, uh, delivery is unavailable at your current location. Something to that effect. Please try I, again later. I like if you really were curious about this, I would um, maybe I'd um, chat with um, somebody about this. I don't know. I might do that. I emailed back and forth with one of the representatives. Yeah. And there was no talk when I said, could I get a free, could I get uh, the money from my subscription back? They didn't say anything like, well, we see that you could get service from your Gresham Walmart or anything like that. It was pretty much, okay, This these are the steps we need to go through. I think you should try it because, um, like I said, I, I believe that the Walmart that delivered to me was in Gresham. You, well, you might be correct, but it might be some weird thing. To where, for whatever reason, where I live, they're not going to deliver from Gresham. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense because mm -hmm. you don't you don't even live that far from me. No, just like a you know maybe fifteen twenty minutes or so. Yeah, by driving, I would imagine it's about yeah. that. Yeah. So I mean, sorry, I'm putting some uh, uh, lavender oil on my brood. That's okay. They uh, J Wool. So moral of the story is I'm going to learn more about Instacart. Yeah. But I check into the Walmart thing too. Because, I might do that. Because if you still can use it, even if it's just for that, then uh, you should be fine for a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. And, but I personally think that Instacart is a lot more convenient and you don't have to wait 24 hours to get your order. Sometimes you don't with Walmart, depending on when you do it during the day. Yeah. But as you know, I like to get my food shopping done as early as possible. Yeah, and I think it's too early for me, but... So, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. But back in the day, mm -hmm. meaning closer to the start of when the pandemic began, yeah. weren't you able to get uh, groceries delivered from Instacart as early as 7? Or am I remembering that wrong? No, 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 no. I usually... No, I think it would be like 9. Okay, because now... Because I checked just to get a sense of it. Mm -hmm. They're saying the delivery times in the morning, if you, I wanted the earliest from Fred Myers, is between 8 and 10 a.m. Okay. And now, and what they do, which I think is really cool, is they have like, uh, you can say, you can choose two to three hour windows. You could also um, choose priority if mm. you want it really quickly, as, as I've told you. Yeah. Um, which I think is really great because. If you're going to be home and you're not going to go anywhere and you have some time, uh, priority is like, you know, 30, not, uh, 30 to 50 minutes, which isn't bad, actually. Yeah. Um, and they, they, give you, they give you different choices as to when you want to get your thing. So, but I think, I think it is about 8 to 10. Why do you have to pay extra for Instacart priority if you already subscribe to it? And pay the I I don't know why I personally don't mind because I have the money so it it's only an extra two dollars it's oh. not that bad it's not like it's ten dollars 
I think I think two dollars is is uh is not too bad of a price to pay for priority, honestly. Fair enough, there, J. Wall. But that's just me. I mean, some people don't want to do that, but I'm I'm okay with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I'm okay with it. Well, good. Yeah, but you know, I'm I'm pretty flexible anyway for the most part, <laughs> yeah. so I'm okay with that too. Nice. I'm glad you got us some dough nuts yesterday. Bubs, could you please? What? <laughs> We're living in the hood. <laughs> it's donuts, not donuts. Oh my goodness. It's so annoying. Is it? Yeah. Not to me. It, it's to me. Why? <laughs> because it just it just is. Oh my goodness. It's annoying. I love you, but that's annoying. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that there, Jay. Well, wouldn't you rather I not tell you and then I end up getting annoyed with you and you don't know why would i rather that what would i rather tell you now than me get annoyed with you and i and you don't know why i guess i'd rather you tell me now yeah but it is a little bit strange kind of annoying. Oh. <laughs> yeah well i still love you babes yes. yeah they're good this morning yes we so i i don't get donuts very often so this is a treat for me and I decided to order these assorted donuts. And uh, did you get like two chocolate for you? I got one chocolate and one with the sprinkles. Oh, yeah. And you said you're going to send me home with a couple. Yes, I will. Nice. Because uh, I can't eat these by myself. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I know, I know you're not really much of a donut person, but you like the ones that I got. I've made donuts and, before. Yeah, they're pretty good, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have some of my donuts? Yes, I did. Oh, okay. Um. Uh, yeah, they were good. Nice. Yeah. Um, but I um I decided to um buy a, a box of donuts, and I I was actually surprised that they were able to get it because sometimes those things run out, and um I bought twelve of them, and uh we had four. And I'm gonna. I decided that I'm gonna give you some. Thank you, babe. Um, I had a chocolate and a maple one. Mm -hmm. It was good. It was really good. Yeah. Chocolate was especially. Oh, and um, I remember the last time I had a Long John donut. It's those. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it's a long donut that's shaped like a a cylindrical. Would you say a stick? Kind of. Yes. Uh, round. It's it's kind of a wider wider than a stick, but it's. It's it's round and it's long and it has a uh, cream in the middle. And the last time I had that, um, I was in Hawaii and I had um, surgery. And when I came out of surgery, my mom bought me a uh, a Long John donut and nice. it, it had chocolate and it was really good. That was the last time. Yes, it was. Wow. Yes, it was. This was in. Uh, this was, I believe it was uh, late 2008, early 2009. Was that when they were taking the thing for the, uh, what's that thing they put in your test when you had the cancer? That wasn't it. I was actually out during the surgery. Okay. Yeah, but um, on the way home, she um, she bought me a Long John donut. Mm. Yeah, and it was really good. That's good. Yeah, this, uh, yeah, this happened before um, they took out my um, portacath. And that was probably the the most painful one. Um, I was, I guess, most painful in a sense that they had to numb me. And they didn't just numb one area, but they numbed several areas mm -hmm. around my chest. And that was painful. Ouch. But I didn't feel anything. They were just taking things out and sewing things back up. And I didn't feel anything. 
Well, I'm glad they showed you back up, babes. Well, yeah, that's that would be irresponsible if they didn't. <laughs> and then I come back with an infection. How does that work? So once you finally get uh, that stuff all removed and they show you back up, do they have to take this? Do you have to go back in and have the stitches removed, or they do they dissolve, or what's the um, deal with that? Uh, if I remember correctly, I don't think they stitched me this time i think they just sewed up the wound and they sewed it they sewed it tightly that's interesting but i'm trying to remember i remember oh i remember though when they put it in they had this glue on top of the um the area where they sewed me mm -hmm. and that was helping it heal and it actually healed pretty well now when i got that one thing uh the one surgery that i was out for the um, surgeon took a lump out of my um, left uh, breast. Cancerous one. No, it wasn't cancerous. Oh. It was just a benign thing, but I, did, I wanted it out because I didn't want it growing. Yeah, yeah. You know, you don't, if you don't need it, just take it out. Yeah. Um, she put um, steri strips on that area to keep it um, healing, and it he healed pretty well. Nice. So I had some uh, two successful surgeries. Now, the when they took out when they took out that port, um, I don't believe they stitched me up, but they sewed me back up. How big was the lump that they took out? Um, I don't know how big it was. Wow. It was it was it was definitely noticeable to me after they after they told me that they found it in a scan. Yeah, I um I I checked myself and it was pretty noticeable to me because I didn't even know. Mm -hmm. I, had they not found it during the scan, I wouldn't have known that. That's crazy, babes. Yeah, and um, the surgeon, the my doctor uh, asked me um, what I wanted to do, and I said, "Well, I think I just wanted to take it out because what if it grows into something else?" Yeah. And so I didn't need it, obviously. And the surgeon uh, told me what was going to happen, and they took it out and. That was it. What was their recommendation to you? Did they say you might want to get this removed or did they say don't even worry about this? No, 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 no. They, they did. So what they did was when they did a, an ultrasound of it, of mm -hmm. my breast, um, because at the time I was 28 and I didn't need a mammogram. I wouldn't get one anyway for various reasons, but, um, they did an ultrasound and they, they, um, took, um, they, they decided that it was that, um, I, I decided, I told my doctor that I want to take it out because I didn't want it to grow and they took it out and they took it to the pathologist and the pathologist, uh, uh, looked at it in the lab and it was a benign tumor. Let me rephrase the question. Yes. When it's discovered that you have this tumor after they did the scans, yeah. did they say you don't have to get this removed, but we recommend it just as a precaution? No, no, I was the one who made the decision. But they didn't they didn't weigh in either way though. No. Oh wow. Okay. No, I was the one who made the decision because they said, "Do you want to just leave it in there, or what do you want to do?" I no, said, I hear you, but I'm I'm surprised that no, they, didn't. they never recommended it. Wow, that's interesting. No, I don't remember them recommending it. I just said I want it out. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, they wanted to make sure that it was it was just an adenoma, which is basically, you know, 
a nodule. Well, a I benign uh, tumor. Well, I love you there, adenoma J. Whoa. Oh, my goodness. We're going to start calling you that. Uh -oh. When I go and visit you when you're taking classes, I'm going to start calling you adenoma. Yeah, I just didn't want any um, sign of anything else growing in there when I was already getting over a cancer. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, so I, I believe that I was the one that decided to take it out because I, I didn't want it there. How weird is it for you that I'm dating somebody who had cancer? It's not weird. For, for you that I'm doing that? No. Okay. It may be it may be weird for you, but it isn't weird for me. It's just something that I you know I went through and still can't believe I I um I I went through that, but that was a, you know that that's a part of my story. Yes. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sure you never dated anybody that had any serious diseases. Um, that's not that. true. It isn't. Well, I was, and I think I told you this. I was kind of seeing a girl, kind of like. It was like this weird thing where we weren't really seeing each other, but we weren't not. And it looked like maybe we might get together. And she ended up getting diagnosed with uh, cancer. Oh, oh, that's, that's, oh, yeah, I remember yeah, you yeah. talking about. I thought you were going to talk about the one that had um albino. That was albino. Yeah, I wouldn't consider that a serious disease. It, it was just something she was born with. Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. I remember you told me that, yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't like you were seeing each other, but you're kind of. Yeah, so it. That falls into, I haven't, but it's kind of a gray area type thing. You guys are testing the waters, even though you didn't officially. Exactly. Um, You didn't make it official. Correct. Yeah. I'm trying to think, is there anybody else I've dated? I dated a girl way back in the day who had uh, weird issues with her eyes and stomach. Oh, um, yeah. That one. Well, yes, but this is back in the day. Yeah. And, but I, I'm really good at zoning out stuff that I don't. Did she, did she have issues with her stomach even back then? Even back then. Oh, wow. Um, I don't think I dated anybody with a serious disease when I met them, but during the course of our relationship, which wasn't what much of one, he um he was diagnosed with um diabetes. Wow. Well, you actually are dating somebody with a serious disease now. What's that? Giantism of the nuts. Bubs. <laughs> what? You what? You stop it. You stop <laughs> it. I'm joking, bitch. I'm joking, it. boy, bitch. It would be true if he actually had giantism. And I didn't I, I do know someone with giantism. It's in one particular. Ah! <laughs> Bubs. What? Leave it to you to make a serious topic a weird and funny, I don't know what you call it. Thank you. I'm sure I probably have something that's undiagnosed. Uh, what? Stop it. I love you, babes. Hmm. But <laughs> as of right now, I seem to be doing okay besides the fact that I'm blind and I have all these knots and I don't know where to shop for food. That's better than some people are doing. That is true. <laughs> Some people don't want to get out of their houses because Some they're agoraphor agoraphobic. Others have no houses. They just live on the street. Uh, others in my family. Yeah, or or they did, or they choose to live in a forest. Exactly. Yeah. I, I just don't understand why there are people who would rather 
be homeless out in the cold and not under a warm roof. It's so crazy to me, babes, that both of my parents went homeless as adults. Wow. I'm, you know, um, it's crazy because, you know, my my parents never went homeless. Mm -hmm. My relatives never went homeless. They've worked hard for what they have. And I think sometimes, I think sometimes we who do have homes take it for granted because, you know, things, we have what we need here. Absolutely. But they don't have what they need there. And they have to, they have to panhandle every day, which some people are like, oh, why don't you get a job, right? And and of course, homeless people, you know, each case is different. It's very complicated. It's very complicated. Not every homeless person is insane. Not every homeless person is on drugs or alcohol. Some of them just lost their house because they had a fire or they had a, a flood in their house. Or they, just weird, freakish circumstances. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But I guess my question would be, when do you show compassion to them? Um, which, How do you know that it's okay to show compassion to them? And how do you know if it's not okay? to do that because some people really just want your money. Well, let's go over something that you just said. You said not every homeless person is insane. Yeah. Yet there are a lot of homeless people with mental health issues. There are. What do we do in situations like that? I have no idea. I don't have the, I don't have, I mean, cause some of them just don't have contact with people every day because they, people just choose not to talk to them. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's hard, isn't uh, it? Mm-hmm. It's not like they're living in the desert where you don't see people for miles, right? Or you don't have water for miles. It's they're living in a city and they're trying to find out what their where their next meal is going to come from. And they're trying to find out where they're going to sleep. And with homeless people who have severe mental health issues, do should all of them be in some sort of institution? I don't know. I don't know. It all depends. Some of them need to. Yes. Right? For sure. For sure. They need some mental help, uh, whatever it is. But others need to just, some some need to go. uh, And and I really am thankful for missions because missions are there to um, get, not just get them a a warm place to sleep and a hot meal in their stomachs, but to um, get them educated um, so that they can find a job. I told you that I think it was late last summer you had recommended a book called Under the Overpass. And I really want to read that too. And I read it and it was surprisingly really, really good. Uh-huh. I want to read a couple more books like that, but also I think it would be interesting to do a follow-up where somebody goes around and pretends to be homeless now. And I know that the book is only like 15 years old, maybe 20. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because this guy was a college student when he did it, yeah. Right, but... Society has changed in that time a lot. And not just because of COVID, but mm-hmm. also because there's less programs to help the poor and disenfranchised. Yeah. So what would that book be like if it was written today? I don't know because, you know, 24 years ago when I was a, a teenager, when I was 19 years old and I volunteered at that homeless shelter for my project mm-hmm. and it was around Christmas vacation, I don't know how many things have changed in those 24 years um, or almost 24 years because it's happened in December. I don't know how much has changed. Um, I know that Mission has been doing some great things for women and children that were living there, 
<clears throat> but um, if there were more um, missions out there who sole purpose is to get um, people that want to do something for themselves on their feet, in their own homes, educated um, and um, employed, I think that's a step a step to um, to progress. I've heard that there's less access to resources now and that pretty much every couple of years it, it drops. Like, you know that guy, Ted Williams, who... Um, yes, the, the guy who was an ex-radio dude. Yep. Then he has somebody recording for YouTube and then kind of gets back into the business. Well, he at some... I think in, in some... At some point, I don't know if he's still homeless, but... He uh, at one time chose to be homeless. I think we looked him up recently, or yeah. I did, and he ain't big pimping like he was when this video first yeah, went viral. Yeah, because he was he was a uh, he was the spokesperson for Kraft. Yeah, for a while. But he's doing some stuff now. He's the implication I got is he's not rich, but he's living like a middle class life today. And he's he's at home. He, he he's living in a home. Mm -hmm. Okay, but what I don't mm -hmm. understand is. There are people who are homeless, but they want to get out of it. I do not understand the ones who choose to be homeless for the rest of their life. I feel you with that. My dad's one of those. That. Because it's one thing if a person wants to travel the world, right? And find interesting places to live and then come home. But there, it's another to be homeless in your own country and you don't want to find a home. And... There's different degrees of it, right? So you may have a runaway teen who technically had a home, but everybody was abused sexually mm -hmm. or physically mm -hmm. and maybe even mentally. And that's why they left. So they choose homelessness over that. That's yeah. a little bit more understandable than somebody in their 40s yeah. who has job offers and just decides, I'd rather be homeless and beg for money instead. Exactly. I don't, I mean, it's hard. It's really a complicated thing because not all homeless people are alike. Mm -hmm. Some people have gotten homeless because they got into trouble and they don't have their kids and they want to get them back. Um, other people have gotten homeless because they were kicked out of their own house or the house that they shared with somebody or their house caught on fire and they don't know where to go. So it's... um. Even with, with writing that paper, it I don't know if I understood it more after writing that paper or uh, volunteering at that shelter. Um, it just makes me think a little bit more, I guess. I don't know if you could really because it's such a complex subject. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I, I mean, Sorry, go ahead. Well, because I'm thinking to myself, I... Um, you know, I have the means to go to the store and buy shampoo or order shampoo mm -hmm. from the store. But these people, um, I mean, I, I met, I met somebody that used to shop at the Target that I used to go to when, um, I was heading to Vancouver. It was a, um, a, a Target with a Starbucks in it and people would get them shampoo or food or whatever and i'm thinking isn't that kind of enabling them well you could look at it like that in some ways it is right i could see that perspective yeah a counter argument would be 
how are these people going to get jobs if they go into the interview smelling like they've been on the street all the time? So somebody might take that bottle of shampoo and I, I don't know, exchange it for drugs, but another person might take it and say, okay, I'm going to wash my hair today. And then I'm going to go in and try to get some services or see if I can get a job. Oh, no, no I get that. Some people do that. Yeah. yeah. Some people will, will get shampoo and they'll just take a little bit and they'll go into the shower, um, which I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I, I wouldn't just take shampoo off of the rack and then, you know, put it back. And it's a used bottle of shampoo. Yeah, it's not a one size fits all answer. Right. But no, what I'm talking about is this, this one person I'm thinking about. And um, one of the people that worked at the Target was giving her stuff. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Now, I don't know that woman's specific case, but what I will say is maybe the lady at the Target thought that she was helping this woman out. So she might not have looked at it as enabling. Okay. Well, here's a question for you. Yeah. Concerning the idea of the afterlife. Okay. Because it's such a complex thing with homelessness. Yeah. Let's say that I see somebody on the street and they look like they're doing really bad in life. Yeah. They ask me for help. I give them, I don't know, let's say $20 because uh -huh. I'm feeling extra generous. Yes. And I'm assuming that what they told me that they're either going to buy food mm -hmm. or trying to get washed up, uh, up a little bit so they can go and you know, meet their counselor or whatever it is, is mm -hmm. the truth. Mm -hmm. But they go and use that money to buy drugs. And it's just kind of enabling their bad behavior. Yeah. When I die, will I be judged for enabling a homeless person? Or will God look that, at that and say, yes, you enabled them, but your intentions were on point and you did the best you could with the information you had available to you at that time? Um. Well, I, I honestly think that would be a good deed, even if you, you know, because you did it, you didn't do it, you didn't do it because you had, um, you didn't do the, you didn't do it with the intent to humiliate somebody, Yeah. but you did it with the intent to actually help somebody who was really having a hard time. And sometimes you have to choose, do you want to help this person or... Um, would helping them enable them to be stuck in their hardships. Um, I personally think that would be a good deed because if they turned around and um, if they if they uh, turned around and um, theoretically stabbed you in the back, not 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 um, actually stabbing. Yeah, you metaphorically. Back, metaphorically, not theoretically. Metaphorically stabbing you in the back. That's one thing, but you help the person out when you could mm -hmm. like that one time when I gave um, that person uh, some money and I, and I told them I can only give you this and then they wanted more. I personally felt like I shouldn't have, but at the same time I have to think, well, I could think of it that way or I could think, well, okay, maybe I did help this person a little bit, even though they were trying to pander or your intentions were in the best spot. My intentions were good. My heart was in the right place, but they wanted to use me for my money. Yeah. And I, so I don't know. I don't know if I'll give a homeless person money because it's really, really tricky, isn't it? It is. And then you could also say they want to use me for my money. But how many people have used that person in life before they got to this point where they're begging you for some change? And some people have even gone a step further and taken a homeless person in. 
And that's another risk. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that either. I'm not that nice. No, no. And and I remember when my mom was visiting and there was like some people in a van and she wanted to give them food. And I'm like, I don't know if that's a good idea. I'm very, very, very glad you put your foot down with that. Well, because I think she asked me, so do you think we should give them some food? I'm like, I don't know. And then my mom's like, oh, maybe not, you know, because we don't know how long they're going to be there. Mm. We don't know if they could hurt us. Because you you just don't know, right? You don't. You just don't know unless you until you talk to them, until you actually talk to them and they tell you what their intentions are. Can you really? Can you really know? And 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 it's really tough because some of these people are are forgotten yes. in some ways. And I feel compassion for people that are forgotten, and they probably haven't had anybody look them in the eyes for a really long time and also too let's consider this there are people on the street who are what you would consider lazy meaning they've stopped working for jobs they don't have a disability they, they stop they, yeah they stopped looking all together yeah and they're just panhandling now yeah. but then the question has to be asked how many times have they had a door slammed on their face so it's really easy just to say somebody's super lazy, mm -hmm. but maybe they're lazy because they've really tried before many different times and have just been screwed over and it hasn't been out for them at all. And that's a really complicated thing because it's not a matter of just saying, well, man up, bro, try again. It's a matter of looking at, well, how can we encourage this person to try despite all the setbacks they've had? Yeah, and then um, the the author of Under the Overpass was saying that um, that him and his friend, I mean, they were pretending to to know what it's like to be homeless in a big city, mm -hmm. and they went to this church because they were having a breakfast, and this person kind of shooed them away. Oh yeah, I remember that story. Yeah, and 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 then they came back the next day because all they really wanted was food. They were so hungry; they didn't eat for two days. And the guy came up to them and he was so, so sorry. And he said, I'm so sorry. I was getting things ready and I didn't realize that you guys were hungry and you weren't going to do anything. And I think the guy, if I remember right from the book, he actually worked with with homeless people. It was either at his regular job or... Oh, the guy at the church? The, yeah, the guy at the church. Um, so he should have known better and mm -hmm. was just in a foul mood that day. Yeah, and unfortunately, there are some churches that don't understand that because mm -hmm. it's easy for them to dismiss someone who hasn't had enough food or they smell horribly. And some people in churches that live in homes, some of them smell bad too, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's not it's not just homeless people. Some people just have poor hygiene. Um, and I think there are some churches that don't, uh, they they just don't understand how and and I'm and I'm not saying that they're bad for not understanding it's just because like, we don't understand we don't understand it yeah and um my um my sister and brother in law's former church at one time for Thanksgiving they um cooked a bunch of food for homeless people mm -hmm. and at one time my brother in law and my sister and their kids would um they would have a Thanksgiving dinner and whatever was left over they would go out on the streets and give them to homeless people. When you told me that, I thought this is actually a really cool thing to it do is. with your kids. It is. And uh, um, they used to do that. And I don't know why they don't anymore, but they used to do that. But that's when they used to celebrate things. So, yeah. I, um, uh, you know, 
I honestly think they should go back to doing it because that's, I honestly think it's a, that's an example of what Christian love is. I would agree with you. Have yeah. not being a Christian myself. Oh. Yes. Something to think about, Babu. Something to think about there, little J. Yeah. You know what else I think about, babes, is we know that homelessness has gotten out of control here in Portland. And yes. We yeah. can name the other cities, San Francisco, mm-hmm. various other places, most of which, if we're going to be honest, are kind of lib, which is a little bit upsetting. Mm-hmm. But I wonder to myself... Mm-hmm. What was how big was the population of homeless people in the 1960s compared to now? Now I I know I'm not a Pollyanna. Yeah, we still had homeless people. Oh yeah, but it wasn't what it is today. Yeah, I think you know. Uh, speaking of Pollyanna, I think that a lot of people just think that she was so happy all the time. But did you know that she um she got sick? I thought that she got hit by a car. She got, I think she either got hit by, I don't know that she broke her leg. And so she was, she was going through some stuff too. And and I think maybe she had a sunshiny dis- disposition because that's how she was. She was played by um, uh, Healy Mills, I believe. I don't know. I think that movie is based on a book yeah. from like the so 1930s. I know a lot of people give Pollyanna a bad rep, but she did go through some things. She wasn't always... You know, she wasn't always happy all the time. She did break her leg. Oh, I think she broke her leg. Um, it's kind of like Heidi. I've right? never read that. Heidi, I didn't read the story Heidi, but I saw the movie with um, Shirley Temple. Because I remember when we watched that episode of Fraser where Roz writes a children's book mm-hmm. and somebody tells her it, it's kind of like this thing called Heidi. Yeah. You were laughing, but I had no reference to that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Heidi. Um, I, I've, I've, I've seen the Shirley Temple, um, movie. Yeah. Nice. It's a good, it's a good story. Um, but anyway, um, so I, I mean, Pollyanna gets a bad rep, but she, she did go through something, Mm -hmm. you know, she did. You know what else I've been thinking about, babes? What's that? Is, this is going to sound a little bit (coughs) out there. (coughs) Yeah. Are there big homeless musicians Meaning folks who make music mm-hmm. and have these underground albums that are wildly popular in the homeless community. But we as people who sleep inside just aren't really that aware of their music. So you mean like like street musicians, right? Yeah, but who like travel the country playing music and record their own stuff and sell it on on the street and, you know, play homeless festivals. You know, I don't know. That's a good question. Mm. Uh, that's something that needs to be explored, I guess. Because I remember when I was reading that one book. What was it called? It was the one that Frances McDormuth, where she's in the uh, van. No Man's Land. No Man's Land. So no, that's no, no Man. Is it Nomadland? I'm yeah, sorry. that's Nomadland. That's based on a book. That's such a good movie. Yeah, and the book's really good too. And the book is nonfiction, and it is based on a true story. Yeah, it's, except in the book. The author follows a couple different people, so it's not one woman's story. What it's, about the what about that one guy that was a um a vid a big advocate for van life? I was just that's what I was going to go to. Okay, is there? I forgot the dude's name, but there's a there's a couple different people who are super popular on YouTube and talk about how you can 
live in a van and travel the country. But there was one guy who is kind of like a celebrity in that world and is really known for showing you how to get the best deals and all of that They're stuff. They're still odd. Yeah, so it makes me think about homeless musicianship and how that whole thing works. But remember when um, Frances McDormand kind of, her character um, was um, making her van like her own house? Exactly. Like, okay, this is how you can heat up stuff. And it seems like a lot of work. It does. There are tons of videos online of people who have done that, though. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, and I know I'm going to sound like a broken record, but if I was a sighted dude, I'd be putting out those videos because I would be one of those guys who would probably buy either a van or some form of an RV or an old school bus and trick it out and just travel the world that way. Yeah, and and, and it makes me think of my former teacher who, um, who wanted to do that, mm-hmm. which I thought was odd. <laughs> But that's what she wanted to do. She was like, okay, I'm, you know, I, I got a bus. I am taking the, all the windows out and I'm going to make it into my home, which that was kind of strange. If I had the ability to do that, I would be so deep in that world by now. You know? I don't think I'd like it, honestly. I think I would. I probably would be that street musician, babes. And I think that's why I asked that question. Is in a different life, I'd be like the Bob Dylan of homeless people. <laughs> Except Bob Dylan wasn't. So, <laughs> yeah, the Bob Dylan. Of or the Tupac. The Tupac? Yeah. Was he homeless? No, but I'm saying I would be like that type of person in that world mm-hmm. where I'd make my music, travel the country, play these festivals, and just live in my van and do odd jobs to support my oh, you'd be, music you'd, habit. You'd be kind of like uh, Cody Lambert from uh, Step by Step. Yeah, except he didn't make music. He just beat his wife. Well, I mean, allegedly. Like, no, no, the, the 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 person who played him did not his character. Allegedly, he did. I don't know if he was convicted. No, no, he, I I think he was. I mean, he was leaving the show. Yeah, but a lot of times people will get fired. Look it up, Pablo. Okay, okay, I love you. Look it up. Yeah, I remember when it was announced that he was no longer going to be on the show. By then, I had stopped watching. I watched a fair amount of Step by Step in its first couple of years, and then I just kind of lost interest. Okay, I watched everything. So I watched every um, episode when they all grew up. and They had another kid. No, oh, Yeah, they did have another kid. Which uh, they all did all the time Rich, in 90s sitcoms. Rich and, um, um, or sorry, um, J- JT's friend Rich got together with his sister Dana, uh, his stepsister Dana, and... I here's a dumb question. What? JT and Dana were not real brother and sister on the no, show. No, because Dana was Carol's yeah. um, child. So I I know that. But yeah. what I'm trying to establish here is why couldn't JT get together with Dana? Because they were already somewhat older when their parents met. Well they were They're they, teenagers, basically. Yeah, I know, but they were stepbrother and sister. They didn't they didn't have any feelings for each other. See I don't look at it like that. I think if you're stepbrother and stepsister, you it's can go. It's still weird, bud. If you're around the same age, you can go a little bit farther. Ow! Ow! Why is that grosser? Maybe if they were raised together from the time they were no, super little. No, it's just weird, bud. It's weird. Well, give me it's, a kiss. Well, think about this, bud. What Do you think that's just as weird as... um? Your shop teacher and his oh, family. Oh, 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 we don't want to give that specifics. Give me this. 
I, I, all I'm saying is some people's families are a little bit weird than All right, that. give me a kiss. Okay, so your girl Carol had another kid with Frank, or I guess their first child together. Yeah, yeah. Which is, okay, a rating ploy. We're bringing in a little kid. Couple questions about this. You, you know how sitcoms where they do the premature aging, where you have a baby one week and a struggling college student the next? Maybe it's not as extreme, but you know no, what I'm saying. No, I, I don't have a problem with it. But you already know I do. I know you do. Did they do that on Step by Step? Um, She just grew up a few years, but I, I... No, they didn't. I mean, she was just like a baby, and then she was... Um, I don't know how old she was in the in the show. But they did do the premature aging, it sounds like, because you just said she grew up a few yeah, years. Yeah, she grew up a few years, but I it, it wasn't really much of a problem to me, to tell you the truth. Did they make Dana pregnant at the end of the series? No. Okay. No. I don't remember the... You know what? I, I haven't seen it for a long time, and I do not remember the last episode. I, I remember seeing it. I'm, I'm sure I saw it, but I don't remember the last episode, so I, I couldn't tell you. And, That's the, and this is when they moved to, this is, I think, step-by-step step moved to CBS. Oh, see, I didn't even know no, that. No, no, wait, family members moved to CBS, which is really weird. Did step-by-step, step, no, step-by-step, step, I don't think, moved to CBS. It, I think it stayed on ABC. Nice. But I don't remember. I couldn't tell you what the last episode is. And it's also, let's keep it real. It's not the best show ever made. It's a serviceable early 90s sitcom. I did like the beginning of the show where they showed them on a roller coaster. That was kind of a fun opening. Okay. Um, that's what I do remember about the beginning of the show. Yeah. Um, but but what I'm trying to say is. I liked it. it. It was okay for what it was. But we don't need to revisit step by step. Well, I may watch it again, oh but my I'm not going to show you. No, you're not. Bubs. I love you, Swan Bubs. Bubs. You weirdo. I don't know if that's an actual episode oh of Step goodness. by Step. Bubs. No. That sounds like uh, a cartoon. <laughs> Somebody's slipping <laughs> on a banana peel. Now, I remember on the Muppet Babies. I remember on the Muppet Babies, and I forgot what episode it was. Um, they were like in a, I think they were in an adventure, um, as the babies would be. And Miss Piggy's like, "Does anybody have a banana peel? Because you're gonna sh- slip on a banana peel." <laughs> nice. That sounds like a funny thing in a cartoon, though. Did we discuss here that about how Patrick Duffy's parents were murdered, and I think he was already fairly famous by that point? Oh yeah, I, I maybe not here, but you told me privately. I only know about this because Anne Rule talked about it in the book she did on the Green River Killer. I wow. think if I remember the story right, and it's been years since I read the book, his parents were at a car show mm-hmm. and somebody shot them wow. and killed both of them. That's horrible. In the early 80s. So I think he was oh. on Dallas by that point. Oh, I didn't even know he was on Dallas. It was either Dallas or Dynasty. I didn't watch those shows, but he I, was on one of them. I watched, uh, I didn't watch Dallas, but I know that was a really popular show. And my parents watched Dynasty. Mm-hmm. It might have been Dallas. Nice. Because uh, Dynasty had some like uh, British actors in it, like um, uh, Jackie Collins, I think, or, or, or Joan Collins, rather. Edith Keeler. Yeah, she was um, Alexis Carrington in the show. I know it's Edith Keeler, yeah. Yes. Yes. And and, uh, was she on the Avengers? That I could not tell you. Okay. 
Well, I'm glad you like Step by Step there, Jamie. And Patrick Duffy is a uh, Washingtonian. That's right. And so is Richard Karn. A lot of people are from Washington. Yes, they are. Yeah. Kenny Loggins, a singer, is from Everett, Washington, which mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I think it's kind of cool. Yep, yep. Yes. I did not know that. Neither one of us are Washingtonians, but. Nope. It's we're nice not, to talk about. We are not true Washingtonians. No. Sure. We were not born there. No. Although I did spend some time there as a little kid. But I feel like everybody in Portland spends some time in, in Washington, Washington if you grew up in Portland. Or, Washington, or some Washingtonians have spent some time in Oregon. Yeah, just because yeah. they're like right next to each other. That's right. It's like a 20-minute bus right away. From Vancouver, yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. My friend was also telling me that there are Walmarts in Vancouver. But I wouldn't want to order from them even if I could because... Washington has sales tax. Yeah, that's yeah. true. And we don't. I think we're one of the few states that still doesn't. But they're try- yeah. they've been trying every year, it seems like, to get a sales tax. I don't think it's going to work, honestly. People are really against it here. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah, you, you are correct. Um, it's kind of nice to not have sales taxes. It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Because I remember when I would buy groceries in Washington, <coughs> and they would tax it. Um, amongst all the other fees. Yeah, it adds up. It does. They have all these fees, and yet mm-hmm. nothing seems to work. Mm-hmm. Ah, you already know that. Yes, I know. You know. I know. Yeah. I know. I'm really excited about testing out that sous vide today, babes. Cool. Yes. Cool. We had talked, JLo. Yes. I don't know if we want to do this next weekend or in the near future, mm-hmm. but about bulk preparing a lot of meals for you. So maybe cooking some burritos in advance uh-huh. and freezing them and doing that with a couple of pizzas. Yeah. What's the status with that? Well, my my freezer is still kind of full. I've got I've got a bunch of stuff in there that I haven't finished. Okay. And um uh so I'm gonna have to get back to you on that one. That's fair enough, babe. Yeah. So there you go. Yes. Apparently, ButcherBox is on Instacart. I know. It's great because I've been hearing good things about it. Like if you really want some fresh, um, if you want not fresh meats, but um, meats that don't have any added um, preservatives or they don't have any hormone stuff in it, um, you can get it from ButcherBox. That's what I hear. I, I've, heard, I've been hearing about them a lot. That might be cool to try. Yeah. I remember they used to sponsor Joe Rogan's podcast. Yeah, but then uh, uh, until he moved to Spotify, right? Something like that. Okay. You know what I heard? Hmm? I heard that he makes a million dollars an ad. Now, I I don't exactly know what that means. Does that mean that somebody pays, let's say, a million dollars for him to do a commercial for them once a week for three months? Or is that like a one-time shot that somebody will sponsor an episode? But I heard that if you're a sponsor on the Joe Rogan experience, you pay a million bucks now. Wow. Yeah. You get a million bucks or you pay it? You pay it to him to advertise for you. wow. That's interesting. And I also heard because of his deal with Spotify, Mm -hmm. all the advertisement money for his YouTube channel and for the podcast, meaning when it's aired on Spotify, goes directly to him. Wow. Yeah, he signed like this sweetheart deal. I guess so. That's on top of the hundred million he makes each year from the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yes. Unfortunately, it's gone downhill, but they still have some good episodes. You know what I was listening to, babes? What's that? I didn't even know that he had Stephen Pressfield back on his show. I didn't know that Stephen Pressfield even was on his show. Yeah, well, he was back in the day in maybe 2012. And I heard about the War of Art from listening to Joe Rogan. Yeah. It just kept talking about it and talking about it. So I read it in late 2010. And you already know. Yes. I love that book. Yes. So I get it. But he was back on like three or four months ago. Wow. So I listened to maybe half of it the other day, and I just need to get back to it. Uh, Stephen Pressfield. Yeah, because you told me about that story, uh, that that um, story about his um, artistic endeavors and things that like, and you said that he was um, procrastinating a lot. Yeah, I don't think he had his first public published book mm-hmm. until he was around our age. How long did that take him? When did he start? Like 12 years earlier, something wow. strange like that. Um, by the way, speaking of published books or books. I know, I need to get back to ours. Well, yeah, because I, I want you to send me um, all of it. So oh, yeah, yeah. Don't have it on this computer. Yeah. Um, and then I can work on the the other half. Of Cleaning up the spelling and I need to yep. finish the last chapter. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then you wrote that horrible movie, King Kong Lives. When did that come out? I think in the 80s. Wow. Not the original King Kong movie, though. No, right? that's way long ago. Okay. Yes. 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 King Kong lives. Mm. Okay. He's like thinking, did I tell the story here? No. Did I tell it to you? I don't think so. Okay. So Stephen Pressfield and his friend write a movie called King Kong Lives, mm-hmm. and it stars Linda Hamilton. Yep. So... They think that this movie is going to be a huge success and everybody's going to love it. Mm-hmm. After the premiere, they run out the space to throw a party. Mm-hmm. None of their friends come. Wow. So Stephen Pressfield and his friend are kind of lying to themselves and saying, well, maybe they were just so thrilled by the movie that they didn't want to, you know, show up to it or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. Yeah. Film is released to the public. It's doing horrible business at the box office. And Stephen thinks to himself, okay, it's not doing well in the big cities. Or it's not doing well in the heartland, but maybe we just need to go to a big city and sit and watch it with a real audience. I'm sure Uh they love it. Mm -hmm. They go to a theater where it's playing and go to the usher. And the usher doesn't know that Stephen Pressfield co-wrote the movie. And he says to the usher... Tell me about this movie King Kong Lives. I, You know, I hear it's a classic. And the guy says, skip it, man. It's horrible. Nobody likes it. <laughs> and he said, at that point, I accepted that I helped make a really bad movie. <laughs> but because I made a really bad movie, I knew that I could make a movie. And then I went back. I was disappointed. But I got right back to writing. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm obviously I'm paraphrasing and changing it around a little bit, yeah. but that's the gist of the story. That's good that he was able to come to that point and say, yeah, it was a horrible movie. It wasn't my finest hour, but I can accept it. Yeah. And I also like the story because at first he's kind of full of himself and thinking this is one of the best films, you know, ever. I can just imagine this is one of the best movies Ever. ever and maybe he didn't say quite like that but that's the implication <laughs> and then he slowly realizes no people aren't talking about this movie because it really sucks and they <laughs> want to forget it yeah th- that that really gets my respect when they 
when an artist says um, they they know what is mediocre work and they know um, what is um, uh, what do you call it? Um, they know what what it, what good work is versus mediocre. Work. Absolutely, and it's a complicated thing too because. I don't re really respect an artist if they go into a project thinking that they're going to make something that's intentionally horrible. No, I get that. But if somebody years later realizes that they made a bad project, but they went in with the best intentions, yeah. that I respect. Exactly. So like the opposite of him is somebody like Bob Dylan, who's given interviews and has said that he intentionally put out bad albums in the 1970s. Mm -hmm. That is kind of like, come on, dude. Why did you do that? Yeah. Yeah. But maybe he realized that it wasn't his best work. And also, maybe he didn't like, you know, everybody saying that he was the greatest poet of his generation. Mm -hmm. And that was too much pressure for him. Yeah. But he was, a, you know, he was a young guy in the 70s. So maybe that has his, his thinking changed. And he's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. So it could have gone either way. Yeah. But Stephen Pressfield, I, I like what he did by talking about King Kong Lives. And it's great in the context of the book because it shows you, even if you come out with something that's really bad, you still got to get up and work with the muse or work to for the muse to reward you. Which like he says in the book, the muse rewards those who keep showing up. What muse is he talking about? Well, the muse is sort of like this ethereal, creative creature that kind of gives you the idea or helps you shape the project so it's something artistic artistically valuable you know that kind of reminds me of someone who's been cooking for years mm -hmm. and they admit to maybe a student of theirs you know i know i told you that you shouldn't do this so that you don't cut yourself but i cut myself and I, I realized that I shouldn't have done what I did. Yeah. And, you know, and I made mistakes doing this. And it takes a, a, per, a big person to say, you know what? I did wrong. Please don't do what I did. I hear you. And also... In and the, I respect them for that. In the kitchen, mm -hmm. I don't know if I could trust anybody who said that they've never made a mistake in the kitchen. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say that because they probably have, like... You know, I've come close to cutting myself really badly, but I, you know, I nicked myself, but I'm like, okay, this is what I'm not going to do. Well, if you cook, yeah, especially on a regular basis, mm -hmm. mistakes are just going to happen. Yep. That's just part of the game of cooking. Yeah. And it, with any kind of art, yeah, it's going to, mistakes are going to happen. And the people I respect are the ones who learn from those mistakes and they do better because of it the stakes are going to be a little bit higher in the kitchen as opposed to writing something yep. because you could really hurt yourself or somebody else <laughs> in the kitchen so <coughs> it's oh, yeah. not that you don't make mistakes but one of the things you can do so that they're not extreme is to make sure that you're paying attention absolutely <laughs> um so you know um i respect a, a person who's been cooking and teaching cooking for years and they know what not to do and they're aware that if they do that again it's you know it, it shouldn't be happening um so you know it with every artistic endeavor i respect people that can acknowledge their mistakes and then they learn from it and they they do things better agreed agreed we do have to read the war of art at some point oh. i think you dig it
Oh, okay. Yeah. Does he talk about um, um, kind of losing direction in art? Yes, that's the main focus of the book. He does. It's how to like get back on track. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Does he talk about making little goals for yourself? Yes. He does. He does. Um, but he talks about it more like a little goal would just be showing up because he's a writer to do the writing process. Mm -hmm. But if you're a painter, a little goal might be, okay, today I'm going to paint for a couple of hours. But do it consistently, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Like he'll say sometimes when I start a new book, I go in and I type for four hours and then I'll correct my work for an hour. And then by that time, I know that there, it's a point of diminishing returns. And it doesn't matter how much I got done. It doesn't matter if I'm going to use the pages that I wrote. What matters is that I showed up and that the muse is going to know that I showed up. And eventually, I'm going to get something worth publishing out of it. Again, I'm paraphrasing, but that's the gist of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I recommend that book to anybody who's in the arts in any form. Okay. Yes. Including you. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. I don't know if it's on Bard. I got to check, but I know it's on Bookshare. Okay. Yes. But I actually bought a copy of it. Ah. It's the book I've given to more people than any other book. And how do they come away? What do they take away from it? I've never had somebody who I've recommended the book to come away and say, this is a horrible read. I personally think... I, I know of a couple people you should give them give it to which if you haven't already. Mm. Uh, I'm not going to say the person's name. That's but okay. One comes to mind because he's always talking about doing projects, um, artistic projects. I think I might have given a book that book to him. Do you know if he actually read it? Yes, because he's referenced things that were in the book. Really? Yeah. Are you sure you know who I'm talking about? I th the person who I was talking about Walmart with. Yes. Yes. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. What did he think about it? He thought it was really good. Um, now, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. After you read the book, you can't just say it's great. You've got to actually practice what's mm -hmm. in there. Mm -hmm. And that's something that everybody struggles with. In fact, he talks about that. That's what he labels resistance. Mm -hmm. And resistance takes many forms. It could take the form of, I just want to sleep in today. Mm -hmm. Or... My cousin was in a car crash, so I can't show up for the muse this week. But whatever form resistance takes, it's basically the force that is keeping you away from the creative process. Okay. And you've got to fight it. Uh. And he, I like even in the Joe Rogan interviews, he says that he struggles with resistance today. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's not like he's gotten over it just because he wrote a book about it. Actually, he's written a couple of books. He wrote another book called Do the Work, which I read, mm -hmm. and a book that I'm going to read at some point called The Turning Pro. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So we're going to have to read The Wool of Up There. Okay. Yes. Oh, meanwhile, babes. Mm -hmm. I was all excited to read the Joseph McCar McCarthy book. Yeah. But... I'm listening to the audiobook this morning, so I guess I'm not reading it. There's got to be a way to skip through all the footnotes, though. No, there's just footnotes randomly in the book. Mm. So that really turns me off because it takes me out of the story. It's one thing if it's like a history book, like a history textbook. I've had that happen, and it didn't put a lot of footnotes in there, but it is kind of annoying. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I get what you're talking about. It does take away from the actual book. With this one, it felt like it was every other minute. There was oh. another footnote. Oh. And sometimes you just got to let the story be the story and let people hear things in the context and figure it out by themselves. Mm -hmm. And maybe you have an index at the back of the book. That's how an I appendix? Feel. An appendix, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That we good. That we good there, Jay. Well, we ate dinner last night. It was really good. That was like the best homemade sloppy joe I've ever had in a long time. In fact, um, uh, it's good. It's it's good. I mean, I I we had onions in there, poblano pepper, some uh garlic powder, onion powder. We didn't have any chili flakes and I'm glad because I didn't want it too spicy anyway. <laughs> the crushed red pepper was good. Yeah. Um the Worcestershire sauce, the ketchup. It it, was, it just came together so good and the meat was really tender thanks to the masher. If I ever make it again, yeah. one thing I might add to it, and I actually considered telling you to buy it, but I thought you might not like it, is a diced up chipotle pepper. Mm. That can get a little spicy. Yeah, but I like the smoky flavor that they have. Yeah, chipotle is, is nice and smoky, I will say that. Mm -hmm. um, but it was good. It was really good. I enjoyed it. It was definitely sloppy. It didn't disappoint, but it was a good kind of sloppy. Yes. Yes. I it liked it too. Even though sloppy Joe's isn't really my thing, it was good to do. I like it on occasion. I I, I mean, if I really want a messy burger, I want that. Yeah. Or a messy sandwich, I want that. Um, You know, just, you know, it's good. I like it. Yes. Yes, yes. Oh, good. And, uh, and then later on, we had some ice cream with... Uh, my homemade chocolate sauce. That's good, bitch. That I made in class, and it was still good. Yeah. Yeah. Real good. I'm planning to make it again at, uh, make it again at some point. Nice. Yeah. Yes. It was really good. It was. It was good. Is there anything you want to talk about before we get into the movies? Um, I was, so I wasn't sure if I wanted to get extra groceries, but I did, and it was only three things. Mm -hmm. I bought a bag of chips um, that we had for um, as a side of our uh, Sloppy Joes. And I bought you and I some cookies so we have our own boxes. That's really nice of you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. And that's when I bought the donuts. Yes. Um, so I, um, I'm glad I decided to buy those things because I'm like, oh, you know what? Why don't I, I have time. Why don't, we have some time. Why don't I get those things? Really that quick? was very nice of you, babes. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, so there you go. But um, dinner was amazing and dessert was even more amazing. And on to the movie. Thank you there, Jay. Well, oh, we listened to the mamas and the papas. We did. Um, not really my jam, but you wanted to, and it was all right. Yeah, there were some songs that I didn't know, and some of them sounded... Uh, very white? Yeah, like like they should not like I mean they did a version of Dancing in the Street by the Van Martha and the Vandellos, which yeah, I didn't really care about that one. They also no. did a version of Twist and Shout. I'm like, of course it's gonna sound like a a white band from California. Exactly. Not um not the Beatles from Liverpool. Um Or who did the original? The Beatles. No, they didn't do the original didn't, Twist and Shout. No. Who did the original Twist I don't know and that Shout? that's why I just asked you. I don't know. It definitely wasn't them. 
Okay. Yeah. I thought it was. No, no. I want to say, I want to say it was like, um. You want me to ask? Yeah. Alexa, who sang the original version of the song Twist and Shout? Yes. Okay, so it's saying the Isley Brothers. I gotta look that up now. Yeah. I didn't know that they did. Did you know that when the Beatles recorded Twist and Shout, uh, John Lennon had laryngitis? You told me that before. Yeah. Yes. But he made it sound pretty good. Yes. Who did I think it was? I thought it was the dude, actually, who did the cover of Hey Jude. Oh, I really um... Liked. Uh, who did the cover of Hey Jude? Oh God, it's uh, it's gonna drive me crazy. It's um, n not Otis Wilson. Uh, Otis William? I mean Otis Redding? No, no, no. It was um, Wilson Pickett. Wilson Pickett, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought it was. Wilson Pickett, yeah. He did a pretty good version of Hey Jude. I I never really liked the Beatles version of it, to be honest. Yeah. It always sounded a little bit too poppy for me. Even though I know the song is like really long and yeah. what it's about, but it never appealed to me. His version, Wilson Pickett's version of it, is great though. I did like his version. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand people that think that every every original song is better than a remake because it isn't. No, not all the time. Not all the time. Not all the time. Yes. yes. Well, babes. Yeah. Before we got into the movies. Yeah. Our first film is going to be Once Upon a Time When We Were Colored. But I had told you that I had heard about the movie, not seen it, and that Siskel and Ebert had given it a good review. Uh -huh. You wanted to know what they said, so we watched their take on it. Yeah, and I know they didn't go into, like, all the details because they wanted us to see it, but I like what they had to say. Yeah. Because they, they said that there were some very powerful scenes, and there was a touching scene. There were some touching scenes and some comedy, and we saw all of that. Absolutely. And that it's based on a book, somebody's memoirs, and the book is actually on Bookshare. And um, he was saying, uh, Siskel and Ebert were saying that it was nice to see a movie about um, the black community and it wasn't all all about drugs and, and, and living a hard life on the streets. Hmm. Um, so it was different than, you know, they, they actually wanted to do better for themselves. This movie is not fresh. No. Would you have you seen Fresh? No, you told me about it. Okay, we're gonna watch it at some point, but not today. Mm -mm. Yeah. Anyways, then we watched Once Upon a Time when we were colored. Uh I couldn't find it anywhere besides for YouTube. Yeah. So it is what it is. They will. Yes. Yes. Do you want to give the description? Yes, I will. So this is happening um, in the South and. I forgot what state it was in. Was it Mississippi? Uh, it might have been Mississippi. I can't remember. Or North Carolina. I can't remember what it was. But anyway, um, it was about a young boy named Cliff. He lived mainly with his great-grandparents. Um, grandparents. No, his great-grandparents. Was that his great-grandparents? No, no, I'm sorry. It was his grandparents. I'm sorry. Okay. Not great grandparents. I thought. I thought he said. I thought Siskel. One of them said great grandfather. They might have said that accidentally, yeah. but I. I thought in yeah, the actual the movie. Yeah, Mama Pearl and I forgot what the the guy's name was. Papa Pearl or something. Papa something. Yeah. Um, and he was very very close to his grandpa. 
His grandpa was a very um, kind man that was wanting to teach him um, everything he could about the family and um, to um, also expose them to the evils of um, the KKK because that was happening during the time. And they, and they ended up... Um, uh, in one scene, they end up uh, watching a parade, but I'm going to get there in a minute. Yeah, I have to correct you with the exposing him to the evils. What? I, I don't think that his grandfather went out of the way to teach him about the KKK. It, well, I think he wanted to shield him from that stuff. To well, 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 no, no, no. Maybe I should correct myself. I meant, you know, trying to expose, not maybe not expose him, maybe that's the wrong word, but to introduce him to what was going on in the segregated South, but wanted to do it in a way that would be understandable and not surprising, I guess, if that okay. makes any sense. You know what I mean? I hear he, he you. He wants to shield him from it, but he also wants him to know what's going on. But, yeah, and he only wants him to know what's going on for his own protection. So there's yeah. a scene that starts out, and it's kind of funny, where they're about to go into the city, and he's like, you have to pee? And he's like, no. Yeah. And then they leave, and he's and the grandson's like, I have to pee? And he's like, you didn't have to do that 10 minutes ago. Yeah. And he's like, no, I didn't have to go. Yeah. And you think that's funny yeah. until they pull up to a gas station yeah. and there's a whites only bathroom. Yeah. And then the grandfather has explained stuff. And to then him. he's like, okay, well, um, when you, and then he writes the C and the W mm -hmm. and, um, he ends up, I think he ends up peeing in the field. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Keep going. Okay. So, um, his mom has him, they, they show him when um, he's being born. His mom, who's played by the girl who played um, Jewel on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and she was also on A Different World and The Cosby Show. I don't know what her name is, but she's a good actress. So she has a baby, and the father, <clears throat> his father tells the mom, you know, I'm leaving, I'm going to go up north because there's nothing for me here, but I promise that I'm going to come back for you and our, our son. But you don't see him again. No. She um, She's around in his life, but she's not caring for him. She ends up marrying somebody in the community. And she says, well, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to live too far from you, but I think it's best that you stay with your grandparents. And you, we know that slang for, hey, I'm you. starting my new life. I'm starting and I don't, my new life and I don't want you. Yeah, life. I don't need you, kid. I want I want kids with this other dude. And you remind me too much of your dad. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. And she ends up having a kid with the other guy. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so he's living with the, the grandparents and things happen where um, they end up seeing the KKK in their parade and they end up leaving without any, um, without any, uh, buddy hurting them. And, um, he's kind of wondering what's going on. And he's only five years old. That probably. was a great scene. That was yeah. super difficult to watch. Though. It was. Yeah. I, I, I keep wondering, like when, when actors and actresses do these scenes, I wonder how they're feeling. Like, I know this is a part of history, but mm -hmm. this is hard to do because they really had to step in the character. Absolutely. And, in that scene, an actor who's being uh, playing a KKK member comes up to the grandfather and starts yelling at him. Exactly. And the kid's right there. His grandson is right there mm -hmm. watching this. And the other guy was 
they're warning him about what was going on. And and the and the little boy didn't understand what was going on. So it was it was hard to watch. But we're really well done. Yes. Um so they get back to the house and the grandpa says, um, you know, uh, you know, me and your grandma are getting really, really old and I have to take care of her. So you're going to live with Ma Punk, who's um, played by Felicia Rashad. She's um, the, I think, the the grand grandfather's sister, I think. I think it's the grandfather's daughter. Or the grandfather's His other daughter, not the one who had him. So I think that's the little the, boy's aunt. aunt. He's a she's a great aunt. Oh, she is. Okay. Yeah. So she's. She's. I don't know how far so I'm. if she's a great aunt, then she's probably the grandfather's sister. That's what I said. Yes, I didn't know that she was a great aunt. I thought she yeah. was just a aunt. No, no, but but she but he calls her Ma Punk. Yeah. Because he like punk walk. Oh my goodness! I think her name was like Eleanor or Eleanor or something like that. Anyway, so she takes him in because um, her son doesn't live there anymore. And she's taking care of him and um, everything's going fine. And um, her her son comes back and is trying to um, figure out what's, you know, he, wa he wants to go home and see some family. And and the, the son is like, you know, um, mom, I don't want any more food because she's like feeding him. She's That's like, a fun scene. There's a lot of fun scenes. scenes in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. She's feeding him. He's like, mama, I can't eat another bite. And she's like, she's like, you know, I really wish that there was a nice girl in the North to, to feed you some sweet potato pie. <laughs> <laughs> the way that I make it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was really funny. And then, uh, uh, feel free to fill in some gaps. Cause I can't tell, tell all the details. One thing I would like to say is yeah. when he starts school, mm -hmm. some kids take his lunch and you think, okay, this is going to be really this sad. Really be really sad. But yeah. a kid named Sammy comes up and makes him give it back and it's friends with him. And the school is from kindergarten to eighth grade, but they're all in one room because it's separate, but not one equal. To 12. At the, no, I'm sorry. One to eighth. Right? Yeah. Separate, but not equal. Yeah. And, what we find out later is Sammy and I think his mom are somehow related and they live next door to Felicia yeah. Rasad. Yeah. Yeah. So you keep going. Yeah, they do. Um, and I think he 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 calls him uh, Uncle Sammy. Yeah, for, some, for reason. some reason. Yeah. I guess because he's he's quite a bit older than Cliff. Oh, and real quick, the other thing too, there's also the backstory of pretty much most of the community pick cotton. Yeah. And that comes up a little bit later in the movie. And Sammy doesn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, Cliff and uh, Ma Punk are doing that just because they think that's what they should do. Uh, I Oh, yeah. I think Regina King plays Sammy's mom, right? I think so. Yeah. She also played Method Man's mom in How High. Okay. We're going to watch that at some point. Okay. But not today. So, anyway... They are picking cotton, and that's um, that's what they did. And um, you know, cotton needed to be picked, ice needed to be sold because there was some there was somebody that was selling ice. Yeah, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, so um, things are going on, and Cliff and Sammy get older. Sammy realizes that he can't live in the south anymore 
And this is, this was, oh, I, I also remember that the, um, that Felicia Rashad's son was thinking about going back to the North and taking his family. And he goes back and him and Sammy were close. At one point, Sammy says to him, if you don't take me with you, I think I'm going to die here. Yeah. But her son leaves and Sammy wants things to change in the South. He starts telling the cotton pickers that they have rights yeah, and they and they can leave if they want to. Mm-hmm. They don't have to. Um, they don't have to get ice from. Um, well, we'll I, we'll get to the ice. Yeah, thing. we'll get to the ice thing. But now I thought that maybe Sammy was killed. It turns out that he was just beat up pretty badly. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, and he was told if you keep acting like this, we will you. kill you. Yeah. So he decides to steal some money from Ma Punk, yeah. but he tells your uh, man Clifford Cliff. Cliff that Clifton. he will Clifton. Yeah. That he will send the money back, and then he leaves town. Yep. Now there's a white lady in this movie, which I normally um, don't approve of. Mi- really? No, I'm joking. Miss Mayberry. I don't remember what her first name is, but he she um wanted him to uh work in her yard. There's a great scene yeah. where they sit down for lunch. And they're talking, they're talking, and the maid drops something, which is on purpose, but yeah. she's doing it so the conversation will change. And she's like, oh, Miss Mayberry, uh, I I dropped something. I think you're going to take it out of my wages. That I think that's his cousin, Annie. Yeah. Yeah. And they start talking about books. The white lady realizes that Clifford doesn't read. Clifton. A, Clifton, I'm sorry. Doesn't read a lot. And she's like, oh, you're just lazy. You could go to the library. Clifton yeah, explains, yeah. black people aren't allowed in libraries. She's like, come with me. And she starts giving him books to read. Oh, that was a great scene. That was really cool. And she's like, well, um, this isn't this is the book, The Iliad. It's about um Homer. And, and where's Marge? Oh my goodness. And she's like, I want you to read it. And when you're done, you, you keep it as long as you like. And when you're done, I'll give you another one. What if you remember right, she doesn't give him the Iliad at first. She yeah. gives him another book. Yeah. And they reference it later because he says, you're not ready for that yet. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I yeah. forgot the other book that she gave I forgot him. that too. But um, he was mentioning that he, um, you know, um, he got a whole bunch of books from her. And that, um, you know, that that um, intensified his uh, love for reading. Yep. Yeah. So we don't want to give everything about this movie away. Maybe we don't give away the tent stuff. Yeah. Even though that's yeah, really good. That's but. really funny, actually. But let's go near the end of the movie. There are some issues with the Iceman. Yeah. And by now, ice services are dying anyway. Yeah. But there's competition in town. Yep. And when don't you know it, the competition happens to be white. Yeah. So all these businesses. What's the guy's name? Edwin? Um, oh, let me think. Um, the ice guy? Yeah. Um, what is his name? I can't remember now. But Clifton is helping him out. And he's losing more and more. Oh, oh his name is Cleve. Cleve, okay. He calls him Uncle Cleve. Yeah. So Cleve, he's helping Cleve out. And um, he's getting um, profit from the community. But a lot of businesses are, are being pressured to buy from, uh, I think it's A&D. And after that, individuals are being pressured. People are, white folk are saying, if you black people buy ice from this man, you might as well not work for us. Yeah. There's a great scene of the plantation. 
where the owner steps up and he says, okay, you're going to buy ice from this person instead. And if you don't, you might as well leave. And every black person throws down their equipment, gets on a truck and leaves just as it starts raining. It's great. It's, it's, it's great. That was a powerful scene. I do have an issue though, but we'll, we'll get to that once we do the wrap up. Okay. And then at some point, Near the end of the movie, I guess, Clifton leaves the town and is talking about, you know, these people influence me. And that was once upon a time when we were colored. Fate to Black, the movie ends. Yeah. Yeah. But I I love this movie because... I thought it was really good. It wasn't like a a movie where every black family is, is on hard times necessarily. I mean, even if they weren't in hard times, they were sticking together. Yeah. They were taking care of each other, and they wanted to do better for themselves. Exactly. They wanted to go up north, and they felt like if they go up north, they were going to be freer than what they are now. Well, some people did. Some people did, yeah. A lot of people wanted to stay in the community. Right. But they still wanted to do better for themselves, even wherever they were. This was a really good movie. It was. I wouldn't say I loved it, but I could definitely see watching it again. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I'd give it an... Eight on a scale from one to ten. I would too. So here are a few flaws I have with the film, and they're not many. Yeah. Let's go to the uh, water thing. Yeah. Or the ice thing. Yeah. I really, really liked it. Yeah. My main issue was it felt kind of rushed at the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. I would have liked another 10 to 15 minutes talking about that and how that whole thing really got resolved instead of just saying we went out. Yeah. I felt that the director, Tim Reed, Mm -hmm. did us a little bit of a disservice not going into a little bit more in-depth with that. Mm -hmm. And it's possible that he did, but maybe had to make some cuts because of editing and time and whatnot. Um, Another complaint, at the end where he's talking about people who influence his Mm -hmm. life, Mm -hmm. and he brings up his mom, and he's like, and my mom... Who didn't raise me, but I know, act, but I know. acted like she did. I'm like, I know, come on. I know. He, he shouldn't have mentioned her, honestly, because she wasn't really around. I mean, yeah. that's what we saw. Um, You know what I really like that you didn't mention? Tell me. I love the gospel music in there. That's great. That was an awesome. And 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 when they were all singing in the church, which I also think was um, included Felicia Rashad, um, and everybody had these really great harmonies. It was great. I, I loved I love those those scenes in the church when everybody was singing. It makes you wonder if there's a soundtrack to this movie. I know. Yeah. And I'm nitpicking a little bit because overall it was really, really well done. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it a lot. A couple questions I have for you, though. Yeah. Why don't you think more people talk about this movie today? Maybe they just didn't know about it because I didn't know about it, actually. I think I may have heard about it, but I never saw it. Mm. It's just like Rosewood. Yeah. You know, I didn't I don't remember hearing about it and I wish I saw it. But I'm glad that I saw it when I did. That's fair. Yeah. What do you think we can learn from Clifton's journey that we can apply to our own life? Um, you know, even through, you know, there are so many people in our lives that has helped us get to where we were and some of them um impacted us and we've told them or they knew about it and some of them um have impacted us and they never knew about it i like that i'll go with that you know what i mean Mm -hmm. 
And the, the fact that he wanted to do better for himself because of how he grew up, even though he missed the people, he said, you know, I'm, 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 I decided to go up north, but what I really miss is, are the people. Yeah. And how, you know, the, the people I love. And it, it really makes me think about that because, and it could, it could be anywhere. Like when I left Hawaii, right. When I left Hawaii at 15, I was leaving everything I knew. That's how I felt when I was on the plane and we took off, I was leaving everything I knew. I don't know how my sisters felt about it, but that's how I felt. And, um, meeting new people was scary, scary, scary. But with anything, no matter where you come from, no matter where you're going to, um, the people from your home really influence that journey. I think mm. that's how, that's one of the things, the takeaways I got from the movie and, uh, wanting to have a better life for yourself. How do you feel about the way his Clifton's relationship was with his grandfather? Cause I love, I love that. I loved it. And you know, it's, it's, it, it's a little sad to me because I kind of feel like number one, I wish I would have met my mom's dad because I've heard so many good things about my grandpa. Same here. And I didn't feel like I spent a lot of time with my grandpa and when I saw him again at 19, it was like, you know, I think I would have liked these stories because um, I think I was actually closer to my grandpa than I was to my grandma. Now, my mom's mom, my grandma, she tells a lot of stories, too. And I feel like I'm closer to her now. I was pretty close with my grandfather on my dad's side. Yeah. But my grandfather on my mom's side, we already know the story. She died when my mom was pregnant with me, so I yeah. never met him. Yeah. Uh, and I heard that he was a really cool dude. Yeah. So I kind of missed out on knowing him, or I did. But unlike you, I did have a good relationship with one of my grandfathers. So it's a little bit different in that respect. Yeah, I wish I, I wish, I mean, I, I envy people that have closer relationship with, uh, closer relationships with their grandparents because I kind of feel like I, I didn't, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe it's because I didn't understand them because one of my grandparents didn't understand blindness. And I think the other one, well, um, I guess I didn't feel like I, I knew him enough. If that makes any sense. I hear you. Yeah. Yes. Especially towards the end, um, when he was having some health issues, it was hard to communicate yes. with him. But I won't get into that. That's fair. But um uh yeah, it really makes me think, wow, um, I wish I had a I wish I had that kind of a relationship with my own grandpa. Mm. Yeah. Or grandpa's. Yeah. Does watching the movie make you want to read the book that it's based on? Uh, possibly. Possibly, yes. Would you recommend this film to your family? If so, what do you say about it? I don't think I have to say anything, really. Like I said, I don't think I have to pitch it to them because if, it's a good, if they think it's going to be a good movie, they're going to watch it anyway. Now, um, if they do ask, oh, have you ever watched a movie? I would say, yes, I have, and I think you should watch it. Mm -hmm. But would you ever say to them, hey, I think you you would like this movie? Of course I would. Nice. 
Why do you think I wouldn't? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it would be, um, I think it'd be, uh, I think it's a gem of a movie. I love Rosewood, and I think Rosewood is a better movie. And I know I'm yeah. comparing two films about black culture, yeah. but we did this see them two weekends apart. Yeah. Rosewood's a better movie, but this is a really good family movie, if it that is. makes any sense. Rosewood it, it is, is like an adult film, or if you're going to watch it with a kid, you got to watch it with a kid who's really, really open to learning, maybe a middle school to high school student. Yeah, because there's some disturbing scenes in there. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend it for anybody younger than middle school. Yeah. And even that's a little bit sketch, but I could I could go there. With this film, you could sit down and watch it with the entire family. Absolutely. And there, I think everybody could take something away from it. Yes. 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 It is definitely, I mean, it is an uplifting, feel-good movie overall. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some sad scenes, but I think it, it, and there's some funny, there's a whole mixture of scenes, but... I think overall, um, families will enjoy watching this. I agree. Yeah. Does watching this film make you want to see anything else by the director, Tim Reed? Uh, possibly. What else did he direct? I don't know what else Tim Reed directed, um, but he was an actor. He was on WKRP in Cincinnati. Oh, uh, what did he play? I think he was one of the DJs. Uh, I don't know that show that well, to be honest. I've seen it, but it's been a long time, and it wasn't one of those shows I would watch every single night. Was Gordon Jump in that show, too? I'm not sure who that is. Gordon Jump is an actor. I don't know. Okay. Yes. But I, I didn't. I wasn't into WKRP, but I. it would be fun to watch. So. But would you watch any of his other films if he directed anything else? Possibly. Nice. This was a really good, this is a really good movie. It was. Well done. Well done. Yes. Babes, mm-hmm. is there anything else you want to say about the film before we move on, or do you feel like um, we covered it well? Both a two thumbs up. I give it an eight. Um, highly recommended. I do too. Yeah. All right. In middle school slash high school, because I went to MLC, which is like an alternative hippie school, so it was the same school, right? Well, I would hope so. Yes. <laughs> I was friends with somebody who could recite the movie Animal House from beginning <laughs> to end. So sometimes when we were bored, I would just say, hey, so-and-so, uh, prefer- tell me Animal House. Recite, recite Animal, Animal House. House for me. And he would do it. And what would be even funnier, sometimes we'd have a break or yeah. different classes. Yeah. And then later in the day, he'd recite the rest of it. So he'd do like the first half of it. And then go back. <laughs> I've only seen this movie maybe two or three other times. But because of that, it feels like I've seen it a lot more. And the first time I watched it was at this kid's house. He's no longer a kid. He's a year younger than I am. That's but hilarious. he was a kid at the time. This is considered John Belushi's breakout movie. He was already famous because of Saturday Night Live. But this made him a film star. Because it was the year before the Blues Brothers. Now, I believe yesterday I said that Ivan Reitman directed it. That is incorrect. Oh. Reitman was a producer on it, but the actual director was John Landis. And and Ivan Reitman has since died. Yes. And John Landis has since ruined his own career. Oh. You know that story, right? I think you may have told me, but you'll have to tell me again. Okay. So John Landis was on a little bit of a role. He did this. Trading Places, which I don't think you've seen. <clears throat> I don't think so. But it's a great movie. 
and a couple other big films. I think an American Werewolf in London, mm-hmm. one or two others. And he also did, which you probably know from best, is the music video for the song Thriller by Michael Jackson. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. And he completely ruined his career. Here's how. In the 80s, there was a Twilight Zone movie. Uh-huh. Okay. And Vic Morrow. Oh, you're telling me that one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Played a racist man who is forced to kind of like relive the Vietnam War in a sense mm-hmm. and rescue a couple of kids. Mm-hmm. This is infamous. You you already know where I'm going yeah, with yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. On the set of the movie, there was a helicopter accident when he's rushing the kids out to safety. And the helicopter ends up decapitating him and the two kids, who I think were like five and seven. Wow, that's horrible. And John Landis was the director. There was a huge trial over this. He's made movies since then, but nothing that's ever really been that incredible. And I don't think it's too outrageous to say that that basically ruined his career. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think you would disagree with me. No, I mean mm-hmm. it. It his movies are probably not the same. Is he still around? I believe so, but I could. And, be wrong. and his movies are not the same anymore that they used to be. Yeah, but he's when he dies. Yeah, he's not going to be known as the director of Animal House and Trading Places. He's mm-hmm. going to be known as the Twilight Zone guy who got those people killed. And this is not during the series, but the movie. Exactly. Did you see it? I did. We watched it actually at MLC. Yeah. They even show the helicopter scene, but they... It's heavily, heavily edited. Okay. Well, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, they don't show the actual decapitation. No, that would make sense. Of no. course they wouldn't. In, in the movie, I think they get away. I, I forget how they did it, but... Wow. Yeah. Um, And that's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that they didn't take more safety precautions on the set. Mm-hmm. Because not only would we have three people who would hopefully still be alive and well. It's a horrible way to go. Exactly. Um, but I think it's a fast way. I if there's know. any consolation. Did did they... So so you actually saw the kids and him before this whole, whole thing happened, obviously. Yes. Okay. But remember, this was probably 96 or 97. So I don't remember it that well. Well. Yeah. But... The same guy who did that also directed Animal House. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll give a very brief overview. I feel most people have seen this. Okay. Even though this is your first time. I've I've heard about uh, it for a while, but I uh, and I thought it was really cool that it was um shot in the University of Oregon. And as is well known, my family on my mom's side were Baha'i missionaries. Mm-hmm. So they moved around a lot. They moved to Eugene mm-hmm. when Animal House was being shot. Wow. Yeah. And I think they were lived like right outside the campus. That's kind of cool. Actually. It is kind of cool. Yeah. But that was before I was born. Yes. I think my mom might have been pregnant with my sister. Because this film came out in the summer of 78. And my sister was born in May of that year. No, she wasn't pregnant. She had her before that. No, she had it her before it was released, but I'm saying okay. when they were shooting the film. It's possible. Mm-hmm. Possible. Yeah. Yeah, we'll possible. Yeah, we'll possible. Yeah, we'll possible. All right, let's talk a little bit about the movie. Okay. It's set in 1962, a fraternity called 
there's a fraternity called um the Delta called Delta, and then there was another one called uh, it was a classier one. I Omega House. Yes, there was Delta House and Omega House. But this is really a Delta House story. Yep. And, and this, the story is kind of loose in this movie. Let's be honest. All right, it is. But they're basically a whole group of these guys who are horrible at school, but like to break, party. And they break a lot of bottles of beer, and they um, they get drunk all the time. Some of them have girlfriends. Some of them get have a lot of girls, but not girlfriends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Donald Sutherland is a teacher in this film. We're going to get back to him at the end yeah. and how he lost $20 million making this movie. Wow. Or how he could have made $20 million. Let's put it to you uh, that uh-huh. way. Okay. Anyways, we'll get there when we get there. John Belusi plays Bluto Bartowski, who is, I guess, the most ambitious of the partiers. Is it Blutowski? I don't remember. What I believe name. so. Okay. There's another character named Boone who has a girlfriend, yeah. and we don't. We're not going to go into everybody's backstory. Yeah. They're doing really bad. The dean wants them out. Yep. Yeah. He puts them on double secret probation. They don't know about that. They keep partying. Their grades keep suffering. Bluto, I believe, had a zero point zero. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 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 meanwhile, his wife is um, sleeping with. Well, we're going to get there. We are. He one day goes over to their sorority house or their house rather. The 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 the, the frat house. Exactly. Not the par sorority. Sorry. And says if you guys mess up one more time, you're you're gonna be out of here. That's yeah. it. Yeah. They throw a big party, but before then they go to the grocery store. And one kid is talking about cucumbers, and it's like an innuendo. What he what he doesn't know is that he's talking to the dean's wife, Marion, and he invites Marion to the party. Yep, she gets really drunk. I believe they mess around. Mm. The dean isn't happy about this. He sends his wife to Florida. Yeah, which you know that implies something. Oh my goodness! Go go on. <laughs> it does. Mm-hmm. And. They basically have like a college trial and are told, you guys are finished here. Every I love how when they're called up for their probationary trial, everybody yeah. starts applauding them. Yes. And they end up walking out on them. Yeah. There's the famous speech where somebody says it's over and John Belushi is like, no, was it over when the Germans bomb, bombed Pearl bomb Harbor? Harbor? No. <laughs> I'm like the Germans didn't bomb Pearl Harbor. That's kind of funny. That's very famous. Oh, yeah. They decide that they're going to go out in a blaze of glory. There's supposed to be a big parade. The dean is in it. (laughs) It's a crazy parade. A lot of stuff goes on, including the marching band runs into a wall. (laughs) There's a death mobile that comes out. The one lady gets, like, shot up, shot into somebody else's bedroom. A little kid's bedroom. And he's like, thank you, God. Thank you, God. I love that. (laughs) We find out that one of the guys is sleeping with the dean's 13-year-old daughter. Well, no, he, 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 oh, 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 no, no, no. They didn't sleep together, but I guess it was implied that he touched her the year before. Oh, I thought they slept together. No, they didn't. Okay. Because he's like. Remember that one scene where he's like, oh, I lied to you, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yeah, I lied to you, too. I'm really 13. Yeah, and I thought they were going to sleep together right after that. 
And then doesn't... They were. They, they almost did, but they didn't. No, I don't know if they didn't sleep together after oh, that. Okay, well, who cares? <laughs> well, I'm just telling you what it is. Okay. And I believe she goes up to the dean and says something like, hey, th- I want you to meet the man who's molesting me. We're going to get married Molested soon. me a year before. A year or before. last year. Yeah, and we're going to get married soon. We have to get married. Yeah. Uh, there's, you know, we find out that Boone got married to his girlfriend and then they divorced, they divorced five years later. five years later. <laughs> D-Day, who's one of the kids, was missing in action. The other one became a gynecologist. Yeah. And then, obviously, the one that's more famous is where they show Bluto with this girl, and it says, Senator and Mrs. Brutowski. Blutowski. <laughs> <laughs> and that's basically the end of the movie. Yeah, and they and they were showing, so they they went back to the, um, if I remember correctly, they went back to the parade, and then they showed them later, right? Something the, like that. Yeah. You'd never seen this before. No, I haven't. I've heard about it, though. Of course, because it's an iconic film from the 70s. Yeah. No, I haven't. What did you expect to watch, and how did it compare to what you were thinking? I kind of expected all this stuff to happen. Like, there's going to be partiers who didn't care about their grades. I kind of expected that. I also expected um, they were going to get in trouble for something. Because when you hear a name like Animal House, you think, okay, yeah, there's going to be chaos. This isn't a film from PBS. No. No. This isn't about animals. No. <laughs> this isn't from Animal Planet. Yes. Um, yeah, there were no cats, you know, and dogs and all that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this is, I kind of figured it was going to be your typical um, college frat boy movie, and there was a lot of funny things in it. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of famous scenes, like when they're at the toga party and John Belushi breaks someone dude's guitar, or when they're eating lunch and John Belushi puts the meringue in his mouth and says, "I'm a zit, get it," and he starts a food fight. Yeah, and then um, and then uh, the teacher does pot with some of his students, and two of them start singing. That's not really a famous scene, but it is a scene. Well, no, I mean, I'm talking about this one I was thinking about. Okay. Go ahead. Not interrupting. So go ahead. No. Go ahead. Okay. 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 Um. No. It was. It was just kind of funny. Um. Because you were acting really goofy, and then yeah. the one student's like, the one kid's like, "Can I buy some pot from you?" <laughs> I don't know. I thought, it was, I thought it was a weird scene, but it was kind of funny. It's a good movie. What would you give it on a scale from one to ten? Uh, I'd say uh. Maybe a solid seven. Okay. It wasn't the best movie, of course, but no. it was funny. Enough. It's hard for me to judge this film objectively, considering how iconic it is. And because I did see it when I was younger, and I did have a friend who could quote the entire movie. So I'm not even going to give it a grade. But <laughs> I I understand that it doesn't have the greatest plot in the world. And yet I still really enjoy it. Yeah. So, you're wondering about Donald Sutherland. I am. And here's the story I've heard. Maybe it's just an internet rumor, but I choose to believe that it's true. Mm-hmm. Donald Sutherland wasn't super famous, but he was well-known in the industry by the time it came to making Animal House. I believe Ivan Reitman was friends with his family, mm-hmm. and that's how he got Donald Sutherland to appear in the movie. Mm-hmm. Now, the film was shot on the cheap because it was a racier film for the 1970s. 
yes, John Belushi was in it, but he wasn't a proven movie star. So they they had to really cut corners to make this movie. And Sutherland, I believe, agrees to do it for $50,000. Okay, so they're shooting the movie. They need to cut money from the budget. At one point, it was either Ivan Reitman or John Landis goes to him, Donald Sutherland, and says, if we can cut your salary for the budget, we'll give you a percentage of the film. Mm -hmm. And Donald Sutherland doesn't think this film is going to make any money because why would you, Mm -hmm. right? So he says no. Mm -hmm. They make the movie anyways. It comes out and it's a huge hit. It's been estimated that had he taken the percentage that they wanted to give him, he would have made around $20 million. Wow. Yeah. And I think that's just... how many? How many dollars again? He made $50,000. Wow. And I believe that's also to the $20 million is just from the domestic theatrical release. Oh, wow. So, by you know, within a couple of years, in 1970s money, he would have made $20 million, which mm. today is great. But even back then, that was a lot more money. That's like making $60 million today. Wow. Yeah. Huh. What do you think about that? I don't know. Mm. I have no opinion on that one. Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, I still love you, babes. Okay. Would you recommend this film to your family? It's If so, what do you say to get them to watch it? Like I said, I don't really think I have to convince them. I mean, I'm, I mean, I don't know. They may or may not, not like this movie. Mm-hmm. It is definitely a classic. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. They might, they might watch it. I could not see your mom watching this movie. No, <laughs> she may not like that. I no. don't know. But, but then again, uh, uh, I'll I'll tell that story. I I won't tell it here. My grandparents did watch something that I was surprised they watched. Oh, yeah, nice. Uh, a movie that I've seen that is not my favorite movie. Ever. Put it to you this way: I saw this movie too, not with Alana's grandparents, <laughs> and I didn't really dig it either. I will just I'll just say I was really surprised that they were laughing at it. <laughs> that's that's what I was surprised about. Because it's not that funny. No, because there were some scenes that I wasn't laughing at. Oh. Yeah. It nice. was that funny. Yeah. But, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't think the flute thing was funny and I also didn't think the apple pie thing. Okay, was so funny. now we're just gotta say it. Anyway. We're talking about the movie American Pie. Yeah. And now I, I don't know again if this is an internet room where I don't want to offend you. But a lot of people have speculated <laughs> that the Allison Hannigan character in the movie is loosely based on you. No, and it is. I know that she's white, but no, you know how Hollywood no, likes no, to No, it isn't. No, it isn't because she wouldn't know who I was. But I the never writers, met this woman. The writers, the rumor goes. Um, no, no, no. That's not a rumor. You're starting a rumor. Hold on, my dear. You're, you're... The rumor goes <laughs> that the writers lived in Washington State and may have visited your high school, talked to some people, and... Maybe saw you around the way. You didn't know that they were writing the movie and based the character that she played. No, because I was living in Hawaii when that happened. The movie came out in 99, babes. No, no, no. What I mean is when I went to band camp, I was in Hawaii. Right, but they heard stories from you. your friends. Now, that's I don't know if that's true. No, it's not That's on the internet? No, it's not on the internet. You're making it up again. I don't believe I You're making up, boy. Making it, making stuff up. I'm just telling you what I've heard. You're, You're making up stuff, boy. I'm just telling you what I've heard, Making babes. up stuff, 
Boy. So I don't know if that's true or not, it's, but... It's, you're making up stuff. Put it, Now, put it to you this way. Having seen how you handle your flutes, uh, maybe I won't finish that sentence. What? All right, give me a kiss. I do not handle my flute in a weird way. It is not the improper way of handling a flute. All right, give me a kiss. No. Why not? I don't want to. Oh, oh okay. How about now? Mocking boy. No, uh, a funny boy. Give no. Me, give you a no. Fun, give you a good boy a kiss. Boy. Hey, give your good boy a kiss. Your warm, sweating boy. Your good boy a kiss. Not yeah. everybody gets to kiss the good boy, babe. Oh, you say sorry. I'm sorry that not everybody gets to kiss <laughs> the good boy. But think about how fortunate you are. So give me a kiss. Mm. Oh my goodness. Give me another kiss. <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. No. Okay, give me a kiss. Mm. Oh my goodness, <laughs> babes! Rubbing my nose. Yeah, you know it. We were joking yesterday, babes. Yeah. That you have a friend who you know there may have been some stuff in the past. My goodness. And why does it always have to come up every time well, you mention it? Because this I'm person. telling you. Okay. I'm giving context, babes. I'm contextual. I think everybody boy. knows about that. I'm contextual, boy, babes. Okay. We were joking that you should tell her that I'm changing my name to the good boy. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you know what else she told me to say? What's up? Which I think would be funny but very mean is if I if you, you suggested that I tell her that you're dead and then you you walk back into the room. Oh, yeah. That would be a very funny April Fool's prank. But it, that, that would be mean. Oh, would it? I think, I think she would start crying. <laughs> I mean, you know how sensitive this person is. Yes. I think she'd start. She'd start crying. Interesting. That, but yeah. also, and I, and the reason why I would say that is because I know right now she's pretending that she doesn't remember who you are, so she would start crying. I think. Nice. If you know what I mean. I don't know. I don't know what that deal is. But anyway. I don't know, babes. I think she'd start crying. Yes. I'll just say that. Oh, good. Even though she doesn't remember me. <laughs> or she pretend she's pretending. That's a better way to say it. She's pretending she doesn't remember you. Oh, good. Which I think is ridiculous, but. That's just me. Yes. That is just me. Is there anything else you want to say about Animal House? Uh, I wonder, like, how, <laughs> I guess my question would be how much um, cleanup did they have to do uh, when the movie was over? I don't know. Probably a lot. <laughs> well, I heard that on um, movie sets, they use um, breakaway glass. They don't use real glass. Yeah, they have to. Yeah, because they don't want someone to get hurt. No. Unless you're John Landis. Oh, my goodness. No, I, Have you seen uh, Breakaway Glass before? In real life, no. Okay. Yes. But I've heard it's super thin and whatnot. And it doesn't um, it doesn't pierce anybody's um, skin or anything. Apparently like not, no. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, and maybe John Landis doesn't want people to get hurt. Oh, my. I don't even know the last movie he made. Really? Yeah. Well. Yes. But anyway, babes. Uh oh Did you have any dreams last night? I did not. I did. Oh, really? Yeah. I dreamt that I was hanging out with his family. Mm -hmm. And in this dream, I'm a kid, but I may be 15 or 16 years old. Wow. This family <laughs> has a boy who's like 10 or 11. Yep. And just went completely blind. Wow. And was sighted before then. Like uh -huh. completely sighted. Uh -huh. And really quickly lost all of his vision. And you're friends with him. Well, I'm watching this. Yeah. He's out on the back porch... And this other kid tells him, I want to take you to the lake. Uh -huh. 
and I immediately get chills like something's going to happen. Yeah. The kid walks off with him. I try to stop it. The family says it's no big deal. I'm trying to explain to them that, you know, we need to do something. What if the other kid takes advantage of him? And then I wake up. Wow. Yeah. Huh. How do you feel about What do you that think he was going to do? Like he was going to drown him? I thought that maybe he was going to do something sexual to this kid and then just leave him there. And 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 how old was this person that took him to the lake, would you say? He was around, also around 15 or 16. Wow. And I was trying to stop it. Did the boy know him? I think so. Wow. Yes. That's, that's a little scary. It is. Huh. But you never found out what happened to him? No. Okay. Wow. And you were staying with the family? I was there for some reason. I don't know all the specifics. Wow. Mm -hmm. But you but you never met them in your life. It was just in your dream. It's just in my dream. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. It is. It is crazy. Oh yeah. Jabo. Well, babes. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to talk about? I don't think so. So maybe you should kiss me and then kick me out. Uh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm. Mm. Bubs. What? No noises, please. Okay. It's kind of distracting you. Oh, not for me. Bubs. Oh, give me a kiss. You're the one making the oh, noise. Give me a kiss. What? You know, another scene <laughs> real quick I thought about from what? Animal House. What's that? I think it was somebody from the competing... Um fraternity mm-hmm. was getting a hand, hand job from one of his girlfriends. This is near the end of the movie. She has on gloves and she says, is this supposed to be the soft? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, no, actually it was a different girl, right? Because she's like, you know, um, and she was talking to this, this guy and she's like, okay, so how is this? And then she's like, you know, if you're not going to start, then I'm just going to go. That was earlier in the movie. And then she takes off her gloves. That was okay. That was the glove lady. But yeah, later in the movie, She's like, is it supposed to be the soft? That made me laugh. Well, I'm sure laugh. it did. Yes. Yes. Yeah, there's there was a a bunch of uh innuendos. What about the one what about the one scene I'll talk about really quick? Okay. When this guy is looking for was it was it Otter or I forgot who it was, but he was looking for um uh Fawn Leibowitz. Yes. Yeah, and he's like, Oh, I don't uh, she's dead. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. And she ends up going out with some girl named Shirley. He goes out with the roommate, and the roommate gets dates for his friends. Yeah. Yes. All right, now give me a kiss. Again? Again. I'm just kidding. Well, I'll try not to pull a fond Leibowitz on you this weekend. (laughs) And die in a kill, Max. That sounds like a very random name, Fawn Leibowitz. Oh, good. Yeah. And I thought it was funny when, when um really quick, yeah. when Shirley's like, oh, but I felt so sad for Frank. And, and all these girls are leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. Good stuff there, Jay Wool. Good stuff. All right, so we wrap it up? Yes. All right, give me a kiss. Bubs, what? I just gave you a kiss. I know, but then you keep extending it. Okay, okay. Bye-bye now. Bye, peeps. Bye-bye. Bye-bye for now.